Welcome to the Making Today Your Bitch podcast, where we get real about what sucks in your life and get you on the right track to make today your bitch. Now here's your host and kindness connoisseur, certified life coach and personal trainer, Marissa Nicholson. Hello, my loves. I want to welcome you back to episode two. I want to start by just sending out a whole bunch of love to you guys for showing up, sharing, subscribing, reaching out to me, and letting me know that I'm helping you. I heard from people that I don't even know that told me that my words helped them in some way, and that's exactly what this podcast was born from. So thank you guys. Um, I honestly am very honored and just feel super blessed to be able to do this and have people reach out and let me know that I am helping them because that is the intent. It's not just because I like to hear myself talk. I actually hate it. (laughs) So last episode, we talked about getting real up close and personal with fear. So there are three buckets of people that we talked about. The first bucket, which is your people who are completely immobilized by fear. So they never make any changes. They never decide to do anything different with their lives. And then we talked about the second bucket of people who are the people that will make change because they're completely ignoring the fact that fear even exists. Like they're walking around it and not dealing with any of their bullshit. However, they're getting some stuff done. And then there's our third bucket. So I talked about the people that walk right up to fear, take their earrings off and handle it. I'm not really so sure how many of these people are actually out there, but What I have found is that they feel with their whole heart. Brene Brown, who is one of my gurus, talks about the wholehearted. And I think that the wholehearted might live in my fear group number three, because they're not afraid to stare at things that bother them. They're not afraid to look in the mirror at all the things that aren't perfect and still work through them or own them. Because we're never going to be perfect. All of that work's never going to be done. And sometimes you just have to look at that area and say, all right, cool, I'm doing the best I can and I'm going to continue to do so. So when I was thinking about where I wanted to go with this episode today, I thought we need to dive more into fear. Where does it come from? How is it that so many people have fear show up for them in so many different ways? Now, the way I picture fear is like that boogeyman that's underneath your bed. You know, the one that like you literally like jump off your bed so it can't get you at night. Now that dude looks differently for everybody because it's all of your deepest, darkest issues. That's why fear is so scary because it's not only the monster you have to fight and go battle. It's your own shit. It is completely customized to dig into your deepest wounds and scare the hell out of you. The science behind where fear starts in our brain is actually super interesting. This nasty shit starts in the amygdala, which is the area of our brain that helps coordinate responses to things in our environment, especially things that are triggered by emotions. And that structure plays a huge role into fear and anger. So let's take a trip. I want you to imagine that you encounter a bear in the woods. Now, if you know me, you know I'm saying this because I have an unhealthy fear of bears. I'm a mountain kid, and it's a real thing, you all. Like, you could find a bear in the woods, and it could eat you. So, let's say you're walking through the woods, and you encounter that bear. What happens? Well, your heart is going to start beating, right? And you might freeze in place, 
And you might even be unable to move. Or you might feel an urge to run away because fight or flight, right? Those symptoms I mentioned are all symptoms of stress. And what we know about stress is that it can come from all different kinds of places. Normal stressors are things that make you feel nervous or scared for a short amount of time. Like presenting in front of a group or, or speaking up in a meeting or having a difficult conversation with somebody. That comes up a lot with my clients. But we also have ones that are bigger and they're longer lasting. And those create anxiety and sadness. And if you feel sad or scared for too long, the stress response system goes into action. Then it sends all kinds of messages that end up in our pituitary gland, which releases hormones. That's our stress response system. These hormones travel out of the brain into our adrenal glands and sit in our kidneys and our kidneys start to release cortisol. Now cortisol is a stress hormone and a messenger. And to be honest, you all, it sounds kind of terrible, right? <laughs> like it sounds pretty terrible, but it does, that's what's supposed to happen. Our brain does this so that we can think clearly and send energy to our important muscles and increase our heart rate and breathing so that we can fight that damn bear. Now that's cool if you got a bear to fight or to run away, right? But the problem is, is that we are working ourselves under this stress level all the time. You all, we are working harder and more than ever, and we're generally not enjoying our lives, and we're not making time for the things that we care about. We are racing to succeed and prove our worth and not balancing it with love and fun and things that make us happy. Now, as a life coach, I love success, right? But the balance of energy, it has to be there. Too much cortisol is not a good thing. Now, it's cool to have. Our bodies are badass. It was designed for us so that we could escape those bears or saber-toothed tigers or whatever the hell we found out there in the wilderness. But we don't have that anymore. And now everywhere we go, there's quote-unquote bears. And when you have too much cortisol in your body, things like anxiety and depression and diabetes and hypertension, all that bullshit that causes cancer, that's what shows up for you. Now, the amygdala that I talked about earlier shares a special connection with another part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex. This is a huge region of your front brain. This controls things like our thoughts, our actions. Essentially, it makes you you. The main job of this dude is the controller of the emotional response to stress so that we don't get too stressed out, right? So why is this so important? Why am I telling you guys all this shit about your brain? Because that prefrontal cortex doesn't mature in its connection with your amygdala until you're a teenager, which is why infants and children rely on their parents to calm them down. So when we're infants and children, this cortex is maturing, it's growing. And what we know, and it's been proven, I'm not making this shit up, is that our belief system about when we're safe and when we're not starts from zero to seven years old. So when we were creating these beliefs, that area that controls our ability to control emotions, it's not even mature yet. That makes sense why fear is so irrational, right? Like that part that controls if it's rational or not, it wasn't in the building when we were building these beliefs. So we also have a piece of our brain called the reticular activating system. No, you don't have to memorize all this stuff. What that system is, you guys, is just a filter. 
It filters out what's safe, what's not, what's cool, what's not. Uh, Hey, that knife, that's not safe. That hot stove, that's not safe. That love, that feels snuggly and I feel safe. So it's constantly looking out for us, filtering things, helping us to see if we're safer or we're not. But the cool thing is, and sometimes unfortunate thing is, this filter system also filters out emotional responses for us. So let's go to vulnerability town, shall we? I personally have a belief that told me that I was not good enough to deserve love and that I have to check things off of a box to deserve it. Like if I do this, I get love. If I do this, then I get shame. That's a belief system that was formed for me and created a fear response for a lot of years. It caused issues for me because I would protect myself from pain and I wouldn't put myself out of my comfort zone and outside of my protective walls because someone might find out that I'm not good enough, right? Like I'm a fraud. It's just going to be a matter of time before they see that. And this belief showed up for me. It showed up in me accepting an abusive relationship and actually believing that I deserved to be emotionally and physically abused. That's how strong this shit is, you guys. And that's why from the outside looking in that we can all think, well, why isn't that person strong enough to leave their crappy circumstances? One word. Beliefs. So here's the great and bad news, y'all. We're walking around as adults with a bunch of beliefs from a zero to seven-year-old. Now, when you, when you put that into perspective, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Like you start looking around at people and thinking, okay, I can see what's going on with you. So if we know all that stuff, we know we got to start there. I'm not saying to go hug your inner child or any of that stuff. I'm not trying to be cliche. What I am saying is, is most of the shit that is showing up for you right now is because of zero to seven-year-old you. And we can't blame your brain. It's trying to filter and protect us, memorizing things, just like memorizing our habits. Kind of like your iPhone, but on steroids, right? I watched and memorized the habits of my mom around love. I felt extreme shame as a young child, and eventually she left. So my filter system protected me and had me believe that I wasn't safe in love and I certainly wasn't deserving of it or she would have stayed. So if that's the case, how do we rewrite that shit? How do we go back to the zero to seven us's and look at what happened for us and how it showed up for us and fix it? Honest truth, you all, is that you got to do the work. I had to dig through a lot of crap with my relationship with my mom. I started off being angry and protecting myself. And then my warrior was born and she protected me. And she would eat people alive so that they couldn't eat me first. And I had abandonment issues, you all. I mean, you name it, it showed up for me. And I had to start doing the work around those things. And it could not have sucked worse. And when I say that I know the feeling of the place when you haven't started the work, I mean, I know. I sat with that stuff until I got so sick of it that I could not have it act on my behalf any longer. When you're here, it seems like you're buried, just like this dark, empty place that you have to claw your way out. 
The first step is to figure out what the problem is. I had to think about the first time like I felt like I wasn't good enough. What was the first time I felt like I was scared to put myself out there? Whatever your fear is for you, go back to that first place that it was happening for you. And I will say some people can't remember. And usually that's a trauma response. The trauma response is there to protect us 100% so that we can't remember that shit. It's part of that filter system we talked about. It's like, whoa, that was screwed up. Let's not deal with that. And that's why some people that have been through some major trauma have zero recollection of it. Like they have to be reminded of it through therapy so that they can dig through it and deal with it. So once we find out what's happening, what's showing up for us, where do we go from there? There are four categories that have our beliefs feed into our state. The one thing that helped me here, I actually learned in my life coaching certification. It's called state management. And simply put, it's just kind of how we show up in our lives. So what goes into it is four things. It's our focus. It's our belief system. It's our physiology, meaning how are we in our bodies? How do we stand there? Do we show up and just kind of be hunched over, looking down at the ground? Or are we up, eyes up, ready to face the world? And then there's our vocabulary. Now, I think vocabulary is the second biggest one from beliefs. Because guess what fuels those shitty beliefs? When you're shit-talking yourself. So if I'm constantly telling myself, and I was for years, that I'm not good enough until it literally demolishes everything in my body and all of my possibilities, it's going to show up for me. So what we need to do is look in on those beliefs. What are those beliefs? How did they start? And dissect them. And then back that up with talking to yourself in a kind way. If you would not say that to a complete stranger, you sure as hell better not say it to yourself. You all deserve the love and kindness that you give other people. And until you start to do that, you will never continue this work. Frankly, you'll never even start. And then your focus. So our focus is huge. What you focus on, you get more of. I have a very good friend who uses the analogy all the time, that, and I absolutely love it, that race car drivers never look at the wall when they're driving, right? Why? Because they will hit that shit. That's why. Focus is so powerful. In fact, when a drug company is trying to get their drug passed and they're doing clinical trials, they take one group and give them a placebo and another group and give them the actual drug. Now, market success is considered 75%, meaning 75% of the group had lessened symptoms while on the trial. Well, it's very common, like it happens almost every time, that the placebo group get over 75%. Like they aren't even taking the drug and they're like, but man, I feel better. (laughs) This feels good. Why is that? Focus. They believe that shit is going to help them. That's how strong focus is. So when we wake up and and we're constantly looking at the bad shit, well, that's what's going to show up for you. But if we wake up and decide that we can look at this differently, 
that there might be a different and better way, even an opportunity to find a different and better way, that causes our focus to shift. And then your physiology. You guys, this is how we physically show up in our lives. If you are feeling good and knowing you're good, well, damn it, you're going to stand up and look people in the eye, right? You feel better. Now, as a personal trainer, physiology has a whole different story for me. And we'll get into that in future episodes, but moving your body is really important for stress and fear and anxiety. You guys, all you're doing by not moving is feeding into that bullshit. I have many clients who start working out and actually start their day with their workout. And if you can do that, you should do that. Wake up and get your body started moving right away. And when I say if you can, I mean get your shit together and do it. Wake up earlier if you have to. Get your heart rate up. Get your blood pumping. Number one, you'll feel better because you'll look better. But most importantly, what that does for your mental state is amazing. I do not think that it's that off these days, you guys, that the kids have more anxiety and depression than ever before. Because they are sitting on their asses, you guys, with tablets and phones in their faces or or video games. They're not moving their bodies. Certainly not like we used to. And yeah, there's a bunch of other shit that's fueling this not including coping skills. That's a total another episode. But we need to make a freaking change and move our bodies. Yes, I want you to be healthier. Yes, you probably need to lose weight. In fact, 85% of America does. Put that shit into perspective. But what we really need to do is focus on changing what you're doing with your body, especially if what you're doing isn't working. Move. So we've got our belief system. So working on that is the key, you guys. Look back, figure out what's showing up for you, and decide for me, please, that you're not going to accept it anymore. Forget that. Decide for you that you're not going to accept it anymore. It's not serving you, and that's just got to end. Next step, quit talking shit to yourself. If you wouldn't say that to somebody that you love, you sure as hell better not say it to yourself. Because you better love yourself. That's where it starts. Then what you focus on. Get your ass focusing on better things. Look at what's possible and come up with the damn answer. And then move, my friends. Get your blood circulating through your body and your brain so that you can start to heal. It is amazingly good for you, and there is no excuse. If you are so overweight that it hurts and you can't work out, you have my permission to start walking first. Everybody else, get your shit together and move. You have no excuses not to be healthy mind, heart, and soul. It is our choice. And I am not saying that there aren't people out there that need a little bit more help with therapy or medication. Fine. Do whatever it takes, you guys. This life is short. You have to feel good. I am asking for you to pick you and drop all your damn excuses. You're not fooling anybody. You're not even fooling yourself. Thank you so much for being here with me today. It honestly truly is an honor. 
do me a favor. Go out there. Make me proud. Go make today your bitch. If you like what you heard on the show today and want more information, have questions you'd like me to cover on the show, or just want to cyber stalk me, head on over to maketodayyourbitch.com. 